What is most important to you? What is most important to you? Seems like an important question, right? What's most important to me? It's, it's hard to really know that, right? Like it's easy to come up with a quick answer, or your kids or something, right? Uh, if we're in a church, lots of people would hopefully say Jesus is most important to me. Um, but when you go through life and you start to look back, you start to maybe see some patterns that show more accurately, like what is most important. Um, talked to a buddy of mine from Maywood who used to deal a lot of meth, and he talked about everybody says like a mother's love is the most powerful force in the universe. He's like, but I've sold a lot of meth to a lot of moms that were losing their kids, you know, and like that was more powerful to them. That's depressing, right? You hear some depressing things in the hallways at Maywood sometimes. Uh, Another story that I heard uh, from a friend of mine at Maywood was about a particular prison that's been shut down in Missouri. Uh, But back in the 90s, it was still being used, even though it's really old. I'll put a picture up here of it. So this is, I think it's just Missouri State Penitentiary. I mean, when I think it was like so old, they didn't really have to specify, right? It was just like, here's the one, right? And back in the 90s, uh, a Maywood guy was transferred there just for a minute when he was pretty young. And it was a scary just bus transfer, seeing all these guys that were in there. It was a rough place to be. Scared this guy. He just wanted to get out of there, right? Um, and my wife and I went to this at some point. We had some friends that wanted to tour it. And so this, this random guy was telling us facts about the place. And they told us about this guy who uh, really did not want to be there either, even though he'd been sentenced to a couple decades there. So we got a picture of him. This guy, James Earl Ray. So back in like 50s and 60s, this guy was incarcerated there sometime in that time period. I think 60s actually, but James Earl Ray worked in the bakery. This is my memory of what the tour guy told us, and then a little bit from Wikipedia as well. But this guy worked in the bakery. They had these big bread boxes come into the prison. And I don't think James Earl Ray was very big, but he was too big to fit in these boxes, so he wanted to get free so much that he starved himself for quite a while until he could like cram himself in one of these boxes to sneak out of the prison, right? And we've all heard like Patrick Henry's quote, like give me liberty or give me death, and we might like yell that at a patriotic moment, Um, but obviously this guy like was serious about getting freedom, right? Like I mean, if you're gonna starve yourself and cram yourself into an itty bitty box, you really care about your freedom, right? You might look at that and be like, well, that guy sacrificed to get free. That guy prioritized getting free. Like freedom must be the thing that's most important to this guy. I'm gonna tell you some more about his story in a little bit. But we're gonna pause his story and look at a couple really important verses in the Gospel of John. Because I think there's a lot of people in the room and just all over the world who would say their lives about something, but without Jesus, their life isn't about the thing that they want it to be about. I think getting life to be about Jesus is 
is what we're focused on today, right? So we're going to be in John chapter 20. If you got a Bible, please turn there. Those verses, I'm sorry, I didn't update that slide there. So it's supposed to be John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. Oh, there we go. Whoa. Okay. So that's the correct verses there. Thank you, Nick, for helping me out there. So uh, John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. I'll put them up on screen, but it's good to have it right in front of you. And these verses is really John's moment to kind of wrap everything up. He's been telling us all this stuff about Jesus, but now he's going to say, like, in case you missed it, like, here's what I was all about in writing this gospel down. So John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. We're going to start in verse 30. John summarizes here. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. If, you, if you've been with us as we've been going verse by verse, you know, Jesus healed the blind. Jesus rose his friend from the dead. Uh, Jesus, just right prior to this, has showed himself, resurrected body to his disciples. I mean, like, Jesus has done a lot that's recorded in John. But here, John's like, I cut out a ton of stuff. And if you pay close attention to John, you'll realize, like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that even comes up in the other Gospels that's not here. Like, for instance, like, John doesn't have a single parable. There's not a single parable in the Gospel of John. Like, John just decided, like, we're, we're editing that out. Like, there's more important stuff to get to so I can show you who Jesus is. And thanks be to God, you know, we've got the other Gospels to get more of that information. But John's saying here, I didn't put it all in. Why? Verse 31, he's going to explain it to us. But these are written that you may, what's that next word? That you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's like the weighted Savior and King. That's all kind of wrapped into that idea of Messiah. So when we say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior, we're saying that basic idea. Like, I want you to be the King of my life, and I need your help. Right? That's, that's what's wrapped up in that word. Believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. He's not just like the best person ever. He is divine, right? So we can believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have what? Life in his name. Because sometimes when we say believe, we're like, oh, I believe the Chiefs are going to win today, right? Or whatever. Like, we say it just almost like we say hope, or we might say, like, I believe in this candidate, like I woke up one time to go vote for them, right? You know, like we just, I, I believe, so I spent 15 minutes doing something, right? He defines belief here as you're accepting that Jesus is Lord and Savior, that Jesus is God, he's the Son of God, he's of God, equal with God. If you really hold in your heart that Jesus is your king, that you need Jesus' saving. Like, this isn't just like, hey, can you help me, you know, put up this drywall on the ceiling or something? This is like I'm drowning and I need a lifeguard, right? I mean, this is a different sort of need, right? If you believe that and you believe Jesus isn't just a regular guy or a good teacher, but he's divine and perfect, then it's gonna change your whole life. Does that make sense? Like, if you believe actually who Jesus is, there's no living like you don't believe in him. Like, there should be a difference, right? Life in his name. I'm going to talk to you about a couple extreme examples of guys and showing this life in his name. Then we're going to bring it into more 
what do we do before the Super Bowl to get started, right? You know, because I'm going to show you a real bad example and a real good one, but we're going to get practical before the end. So here's our bad example. If we can go back to that picture backwards to James Earl Ray, this guy is a lot easier for convicts back in the 60s than it is today. This guy gets down to like Alabama, starts working a job, gets a fake ID, buys almost a brand new Mustang, uh, is doing pretty well for himself, right? Decides, I'm going to go to Mexico. He's got a driver's license, so he goes, starts living in Mexico, right? And you would think like, oh, this is kind of like Shawshank Redemption or something. Like it, it all worked out for James, right? Like he starved himself for a while, worked a little bit, and now he gets to live in Mexico, right? And maybe Morgan Freeman will come visit him on the beach. You know, like here's the deal with real convicts who have like committed armed robbery multiple times. Like, typically, they got more problems than, like, Shawshank Redemption's main character, right? Like, they normally got more junk on the inside. So just because you went to Mexico doesn't mean you're free. So this guy's good idea, according to Wikipedia, I assume it's true, is, like, I'll start, I'll get involved in the porn industry, and I'll hire a bunch of prostitutes, and I'll, I'll get, my girlfriend will be a prostitute. doesn't start working out well for James, Right? And you start to see like freedom was going to take more than just starving yourself for a week or two. I mean, like, not to say all of us have like been as extreme as James was to try to get free, but his solution to his problems was James Powered. Like, he was willing to do more than a lot of us would be willing to do, but his freedom for him was what he could do. And so he could break out of the Missouri State Penitentiary, but he couldn't break free of all of his junk, right? It gets so bad for him in Mexico, I think he got dumped by the prostitute. Wikipedia did not get into a lot of details there, but it sounded like it didn't go well there. And he decides, I'll go live in California, right? I mean, I don't know if that's the smartest move. James doesn't just have... whatever issues I just described in Mexico in his life, James seems to be like a horrible, racist, violent guy. So James decides to go assassinate Martin Luther King Jr. I think about that. Part, I mean, one right away you're like, man, I wish they would have checked the bread truck boxes, right? I'd be like, man, I hate that this guy just escaped, and that's a piece of this story, right? He could break out of prison, but his life was never really free, would be my guess. When you're a fugitive, and you decide, like, I'm going to go assassinate somebody, like, do you really want to be free? Like, is that the most important thing to you? Or is all the junk inside your heart got you enslaved to where you're a slave for evil? Like, James does a bunch of evil stuff. Fiction books and miniseries and all that stuff, they always like to be like, this guy's such a villain, but wait, he had a hard childhood and you should care about him and blah, blah, blah. Like if Wikipedia will talk to you about, like, James had a rough time growing up. But his life was powered by what he could do for himself. And it doesn't go well. And when you really look at how you're solving your problems, are you solving your problems on your own steam? 
Because even if you say freedom's most important to you or something else kind of noble, I don't know that you can really get to something good, even if you're willing to starve yourself to get there. I'll tell you about the person that James shot, the person he murdered. This is Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. back in the 50s was helping out with the Montgomery bus boycott. Huge moment, right? But in January, 1956, towards the end of January, I want to read what happens to him. So he's down there. He's trying to organize a lot of folks to help black people get a little bit of respect on the buses down there. Here's what happened to him. This is in his own words. He's talking about the movement. This is about a month after these events. He's getting interviewed by a magazine. The article's right here. And actually, I've got the magazine article here on the stage. If you want to read it later, you can pick it up. Uh, Martin Luther King says, love is our great instrument and our great weapon, and that alone. On January 30th, my home was bombed. You can look it up online, like the whole front porch of his house gets blown up. My wife and baby, they're pictured right here about the same time period, like within a few months. My wife and baby were there. I was attending a meeting. I first heard of the bombing at the meeting when someone came to me and mentioned it, and I tried to accept it in a very calm manner. Like somebody's operating with a whole lot of like internal strength, like just that statement. Like that's a different sort of inside condition. Like we hear a lot more about people messed up, like the James guy with their inside condition so chaotic. Do you realize that people can actually have the sort of condition that was just described? Like your wife and baby were just threatened by a bombing. And I tried to accept it in a very calm manner. I first inquired about my wife and daughter. Then after I found out that they were all right, I stopped in the midst of the meeting and spoke to the group and urged them not to be panicky and not to do anything about it because that was not the way. Can you imagine, like, you got a crowd of people that want to follow you? You find out something like that, and you have the presence of mind and heart to be like, i got to calm this room down. It's, again, that's, that's different, right? I immediately came home, and on entering the front of the house, which is all blown up, you can Google it and find pictures. I, I couldn't find, this was in the public domain. I couldn't find a public domain picture of it, but you can Google it and find it. Uh, I noticed there were some 500 to 1,000 persons like just gathering around the house. I came into the house and looked it over and went back to see my wife and to see if the baby was all right. But as I stood in the back of the house, hundreds and hundreds of people were still gathering, and I saw there that violence was a possibility, right? I mean, everybody's been frustrated, everybody's been persecuted, and now you got this poor guy and this baby like threatened. Like, you can see how this crowd could get cruel fast, right? It was at that time that I went to the porch and tried to say to the people that we could not allow ourselves to be panicky. We could not allow ourselves to retaliate with any type of violence, but they were that we were still to confront the problem with love. One statement that I made, and I believe it firmly, was, he who lives by the sword will perish by the sword. Now, John and his gospel didn't put that in, but do you guys know who says that? Jesus, right? Like Jesus originates that quote in Matthew. 
I was talking to another pastor about a book we're reading about where's your emotional home at? Like, do you come home to Jesus when you get emotional? Are you going to Jesus with it? In the midst of his emotion of all this going on, Martin Luther King Jr. starts quoting Jesus about the next right thing to do. I urged the people to continue to manifest love and to continue to carry on the struggle with the same dignity and with the same discipline that we had started out. that we'd started out with. And I think at that time, the people did decide to go home. Things did get quiet, and it ended up with a great deal of calmness and a great deal of discipline, which I think our community should be proud of, and which I was very proud to see, because our people were determined not to retaliate with violence. Later on in the article, Martin Luther King Jr. will talk about this is a spiritual movement, right? He's a pastor, he believed in Jesus. He took the Sermon on the Mount, very important in what he decided to do, right? And so you see, not that everything's easy for Martin Luther King, and Martin Luther King, nobody. You know, Daniel and I were joking about we're not perfect. There's nobody perfect, right, besides Jesus. But you start to see the difference of like the stuff that Martin Luther King Jr. was trying to do, it rested on belief that Jesus is real that Jesus is king and savior, right? That Jesus is divine, that his ways are better than our ways. And so because his life is powered by that belief, you see he has a totally different inside condition. And he's doing things that don't make sense if Jesus isn't true. He was doing things that don't make sense if Jesus isn't true. You can explain all of James's life, whether Jesus is true or not, right? You can't explain like Martin Luther King Jr.'s actions without Jesus, right? Like he, if you read this magazine article, it'll tell you about it, right? So what do we do with that? Well, John told us very clearly, I wrote this gospel so that you could have life by believing in Jesus. If you haven't read the gospel of John for yourself, and you got the reading ability, like that's a great place to start. To say, Jesus, I want to live in you. Pay attention, because John has handpicked every story in John about Jesus to inspire that truth, to live in you. If you've already been with us through John, you're like, okay, I've got John, or maybe you're in main Sunday school class right now, you're studying John. I came across another great step that Brenda, I don't know if Brenda's in the room or she's helping out with kids at the moment, but Brenda helps out with our kids on Wednesday nights. And Brenda was in my Sunday school class today and she was talking about something they teach our kids on Wednesday. She said, we've been teaching the kids to pray. And here's the four kind of steps they teach the kids how to pray. They tell the kids start with, I love you and like you fill in the rest of the sentence. So you start the conversation with some reason that you love God. <clears throat> then the next sentence is, I'm sorry, and you fill in the blank. And even our kids running around probably have something to say like about, like, God, I'm sorry I did this, right? Then we've talked about these next two a lot at Maywood, but then you say, please, and you fill in the blank with something. <clears throat> you ask Jesus to get involved 
with your needs, with what you care about. Sometimes Jesus tells me when I ask him for help on something that I'm wrong, right, and I need to change. But I'm opening the door to deeper relationship with him. And a lot of times, the silly stuff I ask for, I think he's happy to give just to connect. <coughs> and then the last thing Brenda teaches the kids is to say thank you and to fill that in with something specific. Now, if you're here today and you're like, ah, I don't need to do what the kids do, like, I think it's okay for us to part ways at this moment, right? I mean, like, Jesus is pretty clear. Like, if you won't accept me like kids accept me, like, you can't have any part of me. And I'm not saying everybody has to do this legalistically, but we're not better than the kids at coming to God. And if you're saying, I want to come to God, but I don't really know how to start, starting the same way we teach kids to start is a good step. Like, it's a good mindset to be in, to just say, like, God, here's the reason I love you. And just do it like a kid. Kids don't get into big speeches and really feel pressure of, like, I better say the most important thing. No, it's just whatever the last thing that happened, you know? I love you because you made scrambled eggs that I like or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just silly, immediate, real. That's the way they talk, right? There's no pressure. It's just honest. So you say, God, I love you for some reason. God, I'm sorry for something. God, please help me in some way. God, thank you in some specific way. Start walking with him. Along the way, Jesus is going to start talking to you, and at times, you're going to be just stopped dead in your tracks about how positive and encouraging and in love with you Jesus, who perf who's perfect, is. You will be shocked. I know this from experience. You will feel like you're not worthy of love, and you'll be shocked when Jesus tells you, like, no, I do love you. And there'll be other times where Jesus pushes you to do something that, that everyone else would say, like, nah, you don't have to do that much. You don't have to bring that up. And Jesus will be like, no, you do. And he can be the most firm I've ever experienced, right? Things like, until you forgive that person, I, yeah, I had, had a lady talk to me about a story where, you know, God said, like, until you forgive this person, like, we're not moving forward, right? I've heard a similar thing from a guy about a decade ago, too, right? Like, sometimes Jesus draws a line and saying, like, you got to forgive or we're not moving forward, right? So, right here at the end, you might be thinking, like, okay, Jake, but, like, how do we land it, right? Like, what do we do? So, we're about to go eat chili, and then we're about to go watch the Chiefs, and some one person in the room is going to be watching the 49ers, right? And, uh, <laughs> And so that's all going to happen, right? And maybe you heard this today and you're like, man, that is some good stuff. But I can tell you the truth, like the Super Bowl commercials and everything else, like by the time your head hits the pillow, if you've not done anything about what you're feeling right now, you're not going to do anything about what you're feeling right now. So don't be like, oh, man, I got to go stop some sort of giant injustice or I got to go be just like Martin Luther King today. Take a step towards loving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, who's divine. A simple step would be to just say that four-part prayer. Jesus, I love you, specific reason. Jesus, I'm sorry, specific thing. 
Jesus, please help, specific thing. Jesus, thank you, specific thing. Or it might be Jesus already told you something to do, and you got all these excuses, but the truth is, like, we got cell phones today, and a lot of the stuff Jesus is pushing us to do, like, you could actually call someone up before you go eat chili and, <coughs> and do the next right thing, right? Wind up taking a step towards whatever the next step is with Jesus. So don't sit down for that game without saying, Jesus, I'm closer to you than when I walked into Maywood. So I want to a blessing over you guys. Jesus, there's a lot of dark things in this world, and even when we try to solve our own problems, sometimes things just get darker. <clears throat> but Jesus, you told us in the Gospel of John that you are the light of the world, and that anyone who follows you will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so Jesus, I pray over every person in this room and every person watching online, show us the next step so we can follow you we trust you to give us the light of life. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.